0: All right, your hymn sheet is 375 from the Lutheran hymnal with thy beloved Son, O God. We took a look at stanzas one and two, and uh, tonight we take a look at stanza three and four. I trust in him with all my heart, now all my sorrow ceases. I trust in him. His words abiding peace impart. His words abiding peace impart. His blood from guilt releases. His blood from guilt releases. So we start off uh, with none other than faith, where it speaks of trust. I trust in him with all my heart. Um, That is, there's nothing else that I trust in. Um, That is the thing that I hold to for my salvation. Uh, the, where it says, all oh, my sorrow ceases, uh, it's not simply teaching a kind of happy-go-lucky life that, that will never have any trouble or, or hardship, uh, but my sorrow as regards uh, my sin. Uh, that is uh, the, the connection that it is, it is speaking of. It speaks of his words abiding peace in part. My trust in him is also trust in his word, for that's where I learn of who he is and and what he has done, and so it gives me a uh, peace. The words imparted, uh, that is the means, the way in which God gives it out. Uh, this last uh, Sunday was the middle Sunday of the three Gezima Sundays, in which it talks about the importance of that sower sowing his seed, the external word of God. Then it speaks of that which is the accomplishing means, his blood from guilt releases. We learn that the one who has taken on human flesh and blood, that it is by his blood, his divine nature is imparted to it, that uh, power in order that it might well wash away, take away the guilt, from guilt it releases. Free grace, through him I now obtain. Free grace through him I now obtain. He washes me from every stain. He washes me from every stain. And pure I stand before him. And so it is through that faith or trust that the atonement which he has won for us becomes ours. And so it says we obtain it. Uh, it's free, but uh, I now obtain it so that all stains are washed away. And I consider myself pure standing before him. You think of the book of Revelation where it stands, it says we stand before him in white robes with our sins washed away. Stanza 4. All righteousness, by works is vain. All righteousness by works is vain. The law brings condemnation. The law brings, condemnation. All, righteousness the law brings condemnation. All righteousness by works is vain, the law brings condemnation. All righteousness by works is vain, the law brings condemnation. So, is there a righteousness that comes by works? <laughs> Why not? Our, our works can never... So, hmm, it does speak of it in the law. As Leanne said, what's the problem? We can't do... Well, what's wrong with our work? Well, it says do righteous works and you'll become righteous. Because nothing we ever do is righteous in itself but we did. Yes. And so those works can't do it. We can't fulfill the actual righteousness Deeds, uh, all that we do is contaminated, um, and so here it says, righteousness by works is vain. It's a vanity. Seek after if you want, but you're not going to get it. Um, and that's why we say no. It, it in effect, doesn't exist. Though the, the, uh, the possibility, as it speaks, what happens? The law brings condemnation. That's the only thing that is left. At every point, the law says, you tried. But the answer is always failure. The law brings condemnation. That's what it does. It can't bring righteousness. There's no righteousness by the law. True righteousness by faith I gain. True righteousness by faith I gain. Christ's work is my salvation. Christ's work is my salvation. So there is a righteousness. It's not by works. Not by works of the law. But instead, true righteousness it says, by faith I gain. So, I do get a righteousness. It's not my own. It belongs to someone else. But through faith, it is accounted, credited to me, put on my account. Well, that is faith in Christ, who was the only one without a sinful nature who was able to secure that righteousness by perfectly keeping the law So I gain that by faith, righteousness by faith. Uh, It's the same word, righteousness, same word as justified. If I am justified, I am declared righteous. So I gain that. What do I gain? Well, Christ's work. He did the work, and I get the benefits. That's my salvation. Christ's work is my salvation. His death, that perfect sacrifice. His death, that perfect sacrifice. He paid the all-sufficient price. He paid the all-sufficient price. So not only did his work of keeping the law for us, but then his death is a sacrifice that is perfect, that's offered up to God, uh, that it might be received. He paid the price, and it is all-sufficient. There's nothing left for us to add to, pay to, anything Uh, Our faith is not a a work that we do by which we gain. It is simply the receiving means that God works in us through his word. In him my hope is anchored. anchored. So I've got a confident hope. It is squarely anchored. It's going to hold. The anchor is going to hold that uh, hope that I have because Christ is that, that sure rock. Questions about stanza three and four. Okay, let's go through stanza three and four. I trust in him with all my heart, now all my sorrow ceases. His words abiding peace impart. His blood for guilt releases. His death that fame I now obtain. He washes me from every stain. And pure I stand before him. All righteousness by works is vain. The law brings condemnation. True righteousness, my faith I gain. Christ's work is my salvation. His that that perfect sacrifice, has paid the all-sufficient price. In him my hope is anchored. In the sacrament of the altar, the sixth chief part we saw last week, what is it? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. We talked about the four elements that are present, body and blood, bread, and wine. Second question. Where is this written? Repeat after me. The Holy Evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write. The Holy Evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, betrayed, took bread our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said. And gave it to the disciples and said. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, eat. Which is, given for you, Which is given for you, this do in, in remembrance of me. All right, first of all, it begins with the Holy evangelists. The Holy evangelists; those would be the ones that wrote the Evangel, that would be the Gospel. Um, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke. Mm, somebody's missing... John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels, the four Evangelists. How come John isn't listed? You didn't write about it. He didn't include the words of institution. What? He didn't include it? How come? It's the three, all three before him already <laughs> include John's was written last. The other three had him in there. Uh, John's Gospel. How would you describe it compared to the others? Different. Different. (laughs) Thank you. Um, We usually describe the other three. They're called synoptic gospels because they're often the same, many of the stories or anything. Now, again, it's not exactly word for word, like a witness, whatever. And then you have John's gospel, and, well, it's a little bit different. But it was written last, uh, and so he doesn't present the exact same things or in the exact same order. So it shouldn't surprise us uh, that it, it is not there. He does include some other things uh, that uh, make us remind us of Lord's Supper um, and sometimes are cited like John 6 and, and some things of that sort. They're not an exact reference to Lord's Supper, though. Uh, they don't actually record what happened to Jesus, as it says here, on the night when he was betrayed, the night when he was betrayed. Hmm. Um, let's go back. We got Matthew Mark Luke, and then we got Saint. Paul. Does St. Paul record the words of institution? He actually does. Do you know why he records the words of institution. Why does he record it? He's not given a history about Jesus and his life. They had a problem, exactly. They were celebrating Lord's Supper, and and Paul says things like, uh, the supper which you celebrate is not the Lord's Supper. In other words, you're not doing it right. Um, And so it is not something that I will commend you for, he says. No, I won't commend you for, and he goes on. In order that he might correct a problem, a misuse, what do you do? You go back to the words. So he quotes the words of Jesus, And then, from that, he teaches just exactly what they need to know so that they may return to a right use. So what do we need? Well, we too, then, if we're going to understand Lord's Supper, we need the words. We need the words of institution. Those are important. They're important because the words teach us what it is, why we can't, they teach us everything about it. If we had the words of institution we have the whole thing. So when we get together on, on Sunday and we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper, uh, if, if I tell you about uh, this uh, sacrifice of the Mass that we're going to offer up to God, the very first thing you ought to say is... A uh, no. A uh, no, yeah, Okay. Maybe the second thing, after saying no, ought to be? This is not a sacrifice. Where in the words do you see that? Where in the words? People come up with all kinds of ideas about Lord's Supper. Where in the words? I think we're going to say the words of institution, and we're going to parade it around on a pole. Where in the words do you have that? It is the words that teach us what we need to know. Hmm. At Luther's times, the words of institution were included in a long Eucharistic prayer, stuck in the middle, and as the priest was praying, he would say, and the Lord Jesus said, and he would say, go on, and then he would say some other thing. and it It was stuck in the middle of that. Uh, Luther said, absolutely not. You've got the words of institution, I know. But what are we going to do? We're going to take them out of the prayer. We're going to set them by themselves. In fact, Luther said, we're going to chant them. So that, just as the Holy Gospel and the service of the Word has the highest uh, importance, so we will highlight this as, this is the crown jewel, the words of institution in the service of Lord's Supper. So we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul right. What happens? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ, we call him our Lord, well, he is God come in the flesh, it says the night when he was betrayed, what night was it? What night did this happen? Every time we celebrate Lord's Supper, we refer to the night when he was betrayed. We should be doing this on th- Thursdays because it's Monday Thursday. All right, exactly. And so it is the Thursday before he is going to die on Friday. It is the night that he has the Passover. So he's having the Passover with his disciples. That's the last meal with them. Then they're going to sing a hymn and go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll pray for a while, and then Judas will bring the soldiers. They'll snatch him away. And well, by the time morning comes, they're going to have him up on a cross. So this is the last time he's going to be with them. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Where did he get the bread? On the table. It, was on the table. it was on the table. They were celebrating. So what kind of bread was it? Unleavened, Unleavened bread, exactly. That would have been the only kind of bread that was present. So at some point, he takes the unleavened bread. We use unleavened bread. We want to use the elements that the Lord has given, that we might create no doubt concerning what this is. And so we took the unleavened bread. Oh, and then I was ready. We took bread, and it says, And when he had given thanks. Hmm. What is this giving of thanks? What is that? Prayer. He said a prayer. What prayer did he say? The Lord's, <laughs> the Lord's prayer. Well, he is the Lord, and I'm sure he could have said that. I don't know that that's that's impossible to tell you the truth, Liam. That's my choice of Thanksgiving. It was probably be a prayer of Thanksgiving, giving. Well, that was your choice, too? Liam. Pastor Irwin, thinks you might be right. Um, the problem is, is what? We don't, know. We don't really know. It doesn't say. Um, it is a prayer of thanksgiving uh, for God having given this, just as we give thanks any time we eat. Um, but we don't know what those words were. Um, there was a prayer of thanksgiving for it. Uh, what it was, we don't know. And, and none of the gospel writers record it. So... He broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, "Ah, he broke it. Hmm. He took the bread, and he broke. What does that mean? He broke it. He broke it up into pieces, so they each had one. Aha! Broke it up into pieces. Mm-hmm. Say it again." Yep, exactly. Um, hmm, The bread wasn't sliced. (laughs) It wasn't already divided up into wafers or individual size. It was a a loaf, a bread. And though in order that everyone might be given, in order that you might distribute it, that's the way in which you divide it up. Um, And so he broke it. He gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat. He wants them to receive it, and he wants them to eat it. That is the way in which you receive the benefits. He says, this is my body. That this refers to the bread. My body is none other than the natural body of Jesus. Um, He says, which is given for you, this present given for you, kind of lets us know that Jesus is speaking in the present tense. He, in effect, views what he says that night as uh, applying to the present situation. Or when he says, Your hour has come, he's not referring to 60 minutes. He's referring to the present situation. It's as if the Monday, Thursday evening to the giving over Good Friday, as if this is all together. And in fact, even as he goes further on, uh, speaking about the uh, Saturday, this kind of rest in the in the tr- tomb, then with Sunday kind of being the new day, and so here this is is this which is given for you. It's happening right now. I'm giving it out. One, I'm giving it out here. I am giving it out as I go to the cross for you in this now this present hour. Beginning with Monday, Thursday. He then says to them, "This do." In remembrance of me. Hmm. This do. Do this. What's the this? This do. He wants us to do this. What's he want us to do? Just what he did. Just what he did. So, we're all going to have to go over to Jerusalem. Well. No, not to not. an upper room, we're. No, Marcos, no, wait a minute. No, 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 no. no. The, the important part here is that we, that we need to have a pastor say the words of institution. Okay. So that the bread and wine is what Christ says it is, and then the pastor distributes it to us. And whether we're doing it on a ship or down a mine or a mountain dot doesn't make any difference. The where doesn't matter. He didn't say anything about that. Got it. Okay. So, once again, I already said I'm going to use unleavened bread simply because I wish to create no doubt. If this is what the Lord used, this is what we want to uh, uh, use as well. The the wine of grapes, unleavened bread being given here. Yes, he has given the administration of the word and sacrament to pastors, so this also is something that has been given to them to do. Fine. Yes, Lord, we'll give that over and have them do. This do... Hmm, how much um, does the pastor have to say the giving of thanks prayer that Jesus said? We already said what? Because I didn't even know what that is, does he? Right. Does the pastor have to break it? No. So, what now? It didn't say that you are to that you have to. It said he did, but just because he did it doesn't mean that. And that's why I made the ridiculous thing. We have to go over there. We have to be in an upper room. We have to do those are the things he did. But that doesn't mean that we have to do everything he did. There are certain things that he told us to do. Those are imperative verbs. The verbs that he told us to do is to do what? take and eat. Obviously, there needs to be a distribution of this (laughs) in order that each might have a take and an eat. Uh, It may be by means of the breaking of a bread, or it may be by the administration of wafers that are already pre-individual. The pastor uh, does have, at least we do, has a uh, priest's wafer, which is about this big, I do break it, um, but I'm, well, I break it at a kind of an unusual spot. Um, While I'm saying the words, which are right here, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And I haven't broke it yet. I, I hold it up so you can see, this is my body, which he said. Uh, um, indicating this is it. I set it down. I make a sign of the cross over the bread that is here. And then I go on to the cup of wine, and I say the next part, and I still haven't broke it yet. And then I say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And then we start singing. And it's not until we start singing a little bit later that I actually break that larger wafer up um, I don't do it at the point where it says do this because it's not really necessary. The only reason I break the thing up is because it's this big. Um, and I use a bigger one so you can see it as opposed to me trying to hold up kind of like a little guitar pick or something like, like that. I say the one that they use the church about the size of a pancake. Yeah, I have seen those too, yes. Where it's it's a, a little bit bigger. Um, and you can break those into about 25 pieces then because uh, for that purpose. But once again, what are the things he told us to do? Take, eat. Aha! Uh, that, that doesn't need to be distributed, or we might take and eat, but uh, how that is done is, is not of the importance otherwise he would have told us. Keep going. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So after the supper, after the bread, he took the cup. He took the cup. Um, does it say what's in the cup? But all they had was wine. <laughs> exactly. Now it may have been cut with water. That's a pretty common practice, and they did it at that time. <clears throat> One, uh, because. Uh, often you wanted to extend it a little bit longer. The other is water could not be drunk by itself. It was very impure, so a little alcohol would, would cleanse and all. Um, but that would be the only thing that was left. Could we have had grape juice? Not there. No, not at that time of year. It would have been long past, you know, even, if, you know, even during the time where if you squeezed the grapes in, it would, you know, would immediately... But, uh, this, this, No, this is during Passover. Uh, this is definitely not the time that the grapes were coming in. Stephen, did you have a question point? Okay. Um, all right, so it doesn't actually mention in this passage what is in the cup, that is, in the words of institution. Obviously, it's Passover. That would have been the only thing that would have been present. That being said, there are other references... When it talks about St. Paul, St. Paul describes 1 Corinthians 11, some problems that were going on, and some people were taking Lord's Supper and they were getting drunk. That lets us know this was wine. Uh, a misuse of it then, But but that. Okay, so he also gives thanks. We don't know the words. He gave it to him, telling them to drink of it. That's part of the... This do, drink of it, Uh, it says, all of you. This is not something for just the priests to do. This is not just something for the wedding party. This is not just for some. This is to be given for all of you. As well, Middle Ages, things of that sort, where they withheld the cup from the laity. No, it specifically says, drink of it, all of you. What does he speak about this? It says that this is his blood, but more than that, it's the blood that goes with the covenant. This is my blood of the New Testament. The Testament is where there is a death. Uh, Jesus is going to die. He's going to fulfill the covenant of old, that a lamb had to die. He is going to be it, that he might uh, give this to us, and particularly it lets us know it is for the forgiveness of sins. We are to do this remembering not only what he did, but that this is being given out. That's part of the remembrance, and so we come trusting that we're getting his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. That is required in this do this in remembrance of me. It doesn't say just do it, but do this Remembering, trusting in those, uh, in that uh, forgiveness and giving out. Questions?